In a conversation with a friend who's an atheist? Stop by the Utah Christian Research Center to see our selection of books that may be of help. The Utah Christian Research Center is open Wednesday through Saturday at 10 a.m. at 579 West Galena Park Place in Draper. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Who was Reed Smoot? And what were the Reed Smoot hearings? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. There's probably not a whole lot of members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who remember an individual by the name of Reed Smoot. He was elected as a senator from the state of Utah, and it was a, quite a controversial time in Utah history. But I think, Eric, in talking about this, we want to bring to the surface some of the controversies after Utah became a state in January of 1896. And one of the reasons why it became a state in the first place is because the church had made a lot of significant promises to the federal government, especially when it came to the subject of plural marriage. Now, we're going to be reading from a book titled Saints, Boldly, Nobly, and Independent. This is Saints 1893 to 1955. It is the third volume out of four that the church has produced. This one was published in 2022. Now, we've gone through the first two volumes earlier on this show, but there's some good things about the Saints series, and there's some bad things about the Saints series. One of the bad things, at least one of the reasons why I dislike this series, is it doesn't go into quite the detail regarding LDS history, like, let's say, the documentary history of the church. That's a seven-volume set, what we call the blue set, because the hardcovers were blue. Then there was also the comprehensive history of the church. That was a six-volume set that was put out by B.H. Roberts, and we're going to be talking about Brigham Henry Roberts in this series. But one of the things that I think we both agree, Eric, is that the Saints series seems to be much more transparent in bringing out early church history that I don't think we would have ever expected maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. Because what happened 10 years ago, around 2013, that's when the church came out with its Gospel Topics essays. And in those essays, they were much more honest about their history, at least more honest than we were used to when reading curriculum produced by the LDS Church. And those essays were about a dozen different essays that were published between 2013 to 2015 on the church's website. Perhaps why you like those other two sets of volumes more than this, Bill, is because those two sets of volumes were more into just the facts, ma'am. They were black and white. This is what happened. It was more historical. Uh, the series that the church has put together called Saints, and this is the third volume, as you mentioned, the fourth one is supposed to come out in 2024, 
it's more of a narrative. They're more storytelling. They're trying to be, in a way, I, I, I don't want to use the word, but I'll use it anyway, cutesy. And uh, so an average person doesn't have to know very much about church history that would never touch the two sets of volumes that you like. But this one has more of a storytelling that they'll, they'll feature certain people. And I think that's very attractive to the 21st century reader. Well, we're going to be looking at early Utah politics. Now, I don't know if that's a big interest to you, but it ties into their theology. There's no way you can talk about early Utah politics without getting into the theology, as far as the authority of the church leadership, as far as this whole controversial issue of plural marriage. You can't dismiss it. And as we've said many times on this show, you can't even discuss the subject of plural marriage without also talking about the subject of prevarication or lying. The two go hand in hand in early church history. There's no disputing that. And what's amazing is this volume of saints admits that as well. Some of the things that it says in this volume, I was actually quite surprised that they would go so far as to say some of the things that it says. And I have to ask myself, how do LDS members reading this volume and seeing examples in print by their own church, because the church is behind the publication of this book, seeing their own church admitting that early leaders were lying about their history? and lying about their theology to the federal government. And yet they never seem to be punished for it. That's what I find amazing. You would think if they were caught lying that there would be some repercussions. But what do you do when it's the actual president of the church that's doing it? And I would think that that might be troubling for many members of the LDS church. Bill, let me get right into chapter 7 on trial of the third volume, page 99 at the bottom. It says, while Ida Dusenberry was visiting Cardston, her older brother Reed Smoot was preparing for a political battle in the United States Senate. A junior member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, Reed had been elected to the Senate earlier that year after receiving the First Presidency's permission to run. His wife, Allie, also supported his desire to serve in the Senate, certain he could do much for the people of Utah. Quote, I am very anxious for you to succeed, she told him, and feel like God will bless us both and help us, end quote. Now, let me just inject something here. One of the problems I have with this series is when it comes to the names of these leaders. I can't imagine any member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints going up to a 70 and saying, hey, Reed, how are you doing? But yet they use his first name like that as if he's just a guy next door. Normally, you put the word elder in front of their last name, and it tends to show, I guess for me, a bit of a sign of respect, or at least using their last name. I don't have a problem with just saying, for in, in this case, of Smoot did this or Smoot did that. I would understand that's not meant to be disrespectful, but certainly using a person's first name seems to suggest a familiarity that I don't think even a lot of Latter-day Saints feel they own when it comes to their relationship to the leaders in their church. But it goes on to say, predictably, Reed's victory sparked outrage and protests. Now, I'm giving the impression that a lot of the outrage and protests 
is really all coming from outside of the church. And no doubt there is a lot of outrage and protest, but there's also a bit of outrage and protest coming from inside the church, as this paragraph goes on to say. The church had struggled to improve its public image after B.H. Roberts' election to the House of Representatives in 1898 provoked a national backlash against the saints. Now, we need to talk about that because this B.H. Roberts election that it refers to was Brigham H. Roberts, Brigham Henry Roberts, who was behind the comprehensive history of the church, as I mentioned earlier. And B.H. Roberts ran for Congress and won. But B.H. Roberts is a practicing polygamist. You see, this is going to cause them some problems, because even though they had already promised the government that they were no longer going to solemnize plural marriages and such, they never really promised that they would dismantle the marriages that were already formed among polygamists in the LDS church. So this is going to cause some real problems for them. B.H. Roberts is a practicing polygamist, and there's a lot of people in Congress at that time that know this, and they don't want him there. They don't want to see him actually be seated in Congress. And so this is going to cause a firestorm. Now, one of the reasons why it's going to cause a firestorm within the church is B.H. Roberts ends up running without permission from the leadership of his church. And that is just something you're not supposed to do. And this is where we find ourselves on page 42 of this book, Saints. It says, at that time, the first presidency and quorum of the Twelve Apostles agreed that general authorities should not influence voters by speaking publicly about politics. It goes on and says, during the Constitutional Convention, however, the First Presidency had temporarily suspended this council, allowing B.H. and other general authorities to serve as delegates. When B.H. later received the Democratic Party's nomination, he did not think he was wrong to accept it, nor did he notice any objections from the First Presidency. Apostle Moses Thatcher felt the same way when the Democrats nominated him to run for the U.S. Senate. At the October 1895 General Priesthood meeting, however, Joseph F. Smith publicly rebuked the two men for accepting the nominations without first consulting the members of their quorums. Quote, we have the living oracles in the church, and their counsel must be sought, he reminded the congregation. The moment a man in authority decides to do as he pleases, he steps on dangerous ground, end quote. Now that paragraph, at least for me, was very telling because it tends to bolster the fears that some had regarding putting someone from high up in the LDS church. And remember, B.H. Roberts was a 70. That's in the third tier of the Mormon hierarchy. And they're concerned that he's going to go to Washington to try to push the agenda of the LDS church. Why wouldn't you think that when you read this paragraph? When Joseph F. Smith publicly rebukes these two men for accepting this nomination, quote, without first consulting the members of their quorums, and then goes on to cite this. Joseph F. Smith says, we have the living oracles in the church. Well, who are the living oracles? This is the leadership in the church, the first presidency in the church, primarily the prophet, seer, and revelator, the president of the church. We have the living oracles in the church, and their counsel must be sought, he reminded the congregation. In other words, you don't do anything without first talking to us. 
if we don't agree with what you're doing, you're not going to do it. If we agree with what you want to do, then you have our permission to proceed. And then it quotes this, the moment a man in authority decides to do as he pleases, he steps on dangerous ground. That was the admonition that was given in 1895. I have to ask myself, even though I can never imagine the president of the church saying something so blunt nowadays, certainly not publicly, perhaps privately, maybe, but not publicly, is that still in the back of the minds of those who run for political office here in the state of Utah, especially on the level of of being a congressman or perhaps a senator? Do they not know in the back of their head that they really have a loyalty to the leadership of the church? Some people ask us, well, do you feel or can you sense the pressure of the church on its, on its elected officials? There really doesn't have to be any pressure on them because most of the people in office here in the state of Utah are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They know what their marching orders are. They don't need to have a phone call from the president of the church or from the Quorum of the Twelve. They already know what they believe and what's expected of them and what causes they want to further. So I don't think that kind of a phone call or letter or email is even necessary. They already know what's expected of them. They know that they need to advance the cause of the church. In tomorrow's show, we're going to continue talking about some of the early controversial politics after Utah became a state in January of 1896. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.